Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 3, 1 through 20. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke in your Bible. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, beloved, with you I am well pleased. Thank you, Sam. I've got things all messed up today. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you. Uh, before we start, um, I did. I had, I had surgery, and I, I really meant to like tell you all that this was going to happen, so it didn't just I didn't just show up, but I forgot. Uh, I, I forgot to tell you. I didn't forget that it was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, um, pr I appreciate some of you have 
uh, your concerns, uh, it, things happening. I, this last year was, was bad for me just physically, as, as you know, and I don't think anything was right. Uh, and so uh, my deductible was paid and this needed to be done, so like, <laughs> let's get it in on December 30th. So I, I had that done and um, it'll be a little while till I'm able to use this arm fully, but uh, it's there. Um, well, uh, I'm sorry for canceling last week, like I said to the kids, but, but it happens. And, and so we were supposed to read this, the first part, verses 1 through 6, in, um, in this passage. And I, I didn't want to skip that part because it, I think it's important. Um, and so I combined it with this week's and a section of scripture that we would have skipped, actually. Uh, and so we're getting verses 1 through 22. And I think that there are like four or five different sermons in this, in this passage. But I, I will promise I will try to only preach one of those sermons um, t- today. Uh, so we've been, we started off uh, the church year, so Advent, with the Gospel of Luke. And we heard the story of uh, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they were barren and how angel came to Zechariah and ended up having a, a boy. And his name was John, and who, who shows up today. And we heard the story of Mary being visited by an angel and and uh, having her be told that by the Holy Spirit, she's going to become pregnant with uh, who will be the Savior of the world. Um, you'll name him Jesus, he was told, she was told. And so we, we, we traveled through that and looked at those, and uh, there are various responses. Uh, Elizabeth, or Mary sings a song, and kind of so does Zachariah, the Magnificat and the Benedictus, if you will. Um, we, we've missed some things, though. Uh, well, we, we celebrated the birth, obviously, on Christmas Eve. Um, we read those passages. Uh, we missed a little bit, though. In, in the time between that, the story about Jesus, Luke is pretty much focused on that. And so we hear, about, we hear about Jesus, and eight days after he's born, his parents take him to Jerusalem to, to do what they're supposed to do, have him circumcised and present him uh, as every firstborn male was to the, at the temple. And so they meet two folks at the, at the temple that day, uh, an old man named Simeon. And uh, he, he proclaims a, a word over Jesus and uh, the Holy Spirit had guided him to come and, and see this boy and uh, to see the Savior of Israel. And then there's another old lady that she's hanging around. Her name's Anna and she comes up and she does the same kind of thing. Uh, from the very beginning of this story, from the first moment, from Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary, uh, right through Simeon and Anna, the Holy Spirit has been at work in this story. Uh, it, it, the Holy Spirit has been work in Jesus because Jesus is God and without the Holy Spirit, well, there's a whole bunch there. Uh, but it's important that, that the Holy Spirit is, is moving all along this story. And by the time we get to the baptism, it, it will not be like that the Holy Spirit is new on the scene at this particular moment, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. So uh, just hang on with me. Uh, Simeon and Adam, they go back home, and so does Mary and Joseph. And another story that we, we don't look at in between there is uh, Mary and Joseph make a trip to Jerusalem for, for, a, for the Passover, I think. And Jesus ends up hanging out in the temple a lot because he's God. And um, his parents leave, and Jesus stays behind. And uh, now we, we got to cut his parents some slack. They probably traveled as an extended family, and they just thought, you know, Aunt Elizabeth was watching after, after 
uh, Jesus. But they got halfway there and, and they don't realize, they realize they don't have Jesus. So they head back to Jerusalem and, and find Jesus in the temple. And they're like, why are you doing this to me? That's what Mary says. You've ever said that to your kids? Yeah, why are you doing this to me? Uh, and Jesus responds, didn't you know that I had to be? I must be in my father's house. Uh, Jesus at this point knows, knows who he is, I think. He knows the, the trajectory of his life. He knows uh, what he must do and what are the ramifications of those decisions. Well, we pick up uh, today's passage is, is right after that. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I've got the entire passage up here. Normally, I only do little snippets of it. Uh, but today, we're going to kind of run through it a little bit uh, more continuously than, than we might have. And uh, so I really, I really appreciate Sam. He always reads scripture for us. And had we read this last week, had we had church last week, the passage would have only been six verses, and three of those would have been hard to pronounce names. And you did a wonderful job, Sam, by the way, as you, as you always do. Uh, we get, these, we get these lists of, uh, of people, how he, he, Jesus, or Luke kicks off this part of the narrative. Uh, we hear about the emperor Tiberius and Pontius Pilate, um, Herod and Philip, who are ruler of those places. Uh, and one of the things we'll notice about those, uh, those names is that they're all, uh, they're all non-Jewish names. Herod's half Jew, maybe. Uh, but Luke is kind of creating uh, like a historical marker. He's saying this is the time and space that we are in. But he's also setting up a tension, a tension that, that well, I think that flows all the way through the, the gospel of Luke and, and uh, one that's for us too, uh, that'll come out in the next couple of verses. This tension is that Israel is at home in their own land. Uh, and the people who rule them are not their own. Uh, that the Romans are there, and they charge excessive taxes, and they just, well, how would we like if, if we lived here in America and we were really ruled by someone, someone else? Uh, it, it would be depressing, and it would be sad, and we would long for a day when salvation would come and we could be free again. Uh, that God's spirit would fall on someone to do God's work in the world like God has done over and over and over again in Israel's history. So there's this tension. It's, it's almost if Israel is, is in exile at home. Uh, e- even, even so, the next one, we talk about the, uh, the, the high priests, but those were, they didn't even have really a choice in, in pointing those too much. Um, so there's this tension. Like the world is not as it should be. Israel is not as it should be. God's people well, they can't fulfill their destiny to be a blessing to the entire world because, because of the Romans. Uh, well, we, we get that introduction, and then we get another introduction to, um, to John the Baptist. Let's see, it sees here. He went into all the region. Okay. Well, the word of the Lord came to, to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, he's calling Israel to repent. Uh, one of the things I would have said last week is that uh, Israel didn't necessarily think it needed to repent. Um, 
But this is who, who John is talking to. John's talking to God's people and he's calling them, he's saying like, you think it's all been good, uh, but it's really not. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, voice one, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now this passage that John quotes is, a, is from Isaiah and it's a, situated in the context of exile. And so Luke is very much saying, look, it's, it's not just that these rulers are here. If you haven't picked up on that in, in, implicitly, here it is. <laughs> this passage of scripture will help you know where you are in this particular story. You are in need of God's salvation. And John, John has come from the wilderness, which is, uh, and we don't get how he's dressed here, but we do in, in the Gospel of Matthew. How he's dressed, kind of, uh, everybody would have known he was a, a prophet figure. And so he comes, he comes to, to God's people, proclaiming that, that an end to exile is about to take place. That God is going to work in a mighty and significant way to bring about salvation for Israel. Well, uh, can't see my, uh, my notes here. John, uh, let's see. Okay, verse seven. He ends up saying, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Don't begin to say yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestors. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Uh, so, so part of the thing, like, you know, I, I just said that Israel maybe didn't think they needed to repent, Right? Um, Israel at this point, even though they're in, in exile, they, they think they are God's favorite. And, and they think that, that, that because of who they are, that God is going to just automatically bring about salvation for them. And, and, what, and what John is saying here is like, hey, you can't, you can't just rest on that. And he offers them this baptism for the repentance and forgiveness of sins. Uh, that they might truly turn and rely on God. They might walk not away from God, but walk towards God, because that's what repentance means. It means to turn and change and, and go the other direction. Uh, John is saying, look, you can't just rely on who you are. Um, I, I think sometimes, uh, maybe we're a little tough on Israel. Uh, I think if we were to put ourselves in that position, we would have maybe done the same thing. We think that we're God's people, God loves us best, and God's just going to bring us salvation. I think sometimes in the church we do that same thing. Uh, that we might say, well, I've been going to church for a really, really long time, and we're, well, we're Nazarenes, and we're the only one that got it right, and so God loves us best. Uh, maybe, we, maybe John would say to us, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Phineas Brzee as our ancestor. I don't know. Those of you who aren't hardcore Nazarenes won't know who that is, but uh, we can talk about it later. Uh, yeah, he says, yeah, don't, don't rely on this. Uh, repentance, turning and changing. Uh, the crowd responds, and they say, just three times they say this. And the crowds ask him, what then should we do? 
In reply, he asked, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even the tax collectors come to be baptized, and they ask him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Even the soldiers also asked, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations. Be satisfied with your wages. John is saying, can't rely on who you've been or just the fact that God loves you. There is a concrete response to the goodness and graciousness of God. And in this particular instance, it looks like not being a jerk to the people around you. It it means caring for each other in tangible and physical ways that you might help someone who doesn't have clothes have clothes. You might share your food and your wealth and that you wouldn't actively participate in things, well, things that hurt the folks around you. Uh, We say around here all the time that uh, what we're doing, hopefully, my prayer for us is that we were learning to love God with all that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves. These are three examples that John gives them of loving their neighbor as themselves. Um, What should we do? Well, the the narrative goes on a little bit, and they were all filled with expectation, and they were like, hey, are you you the Messiah? Because remember, we've got this, this tension We've got uh, living in Israel in, in exile at home, and we've got this hope uh, that God is going to come and bring about freedom and release for Israel uh, because God is going to send somebody. And, and here is this guy who is speaking with power and who obviously, Luke has told us at the beginning, has the spirit of God upon him. And so they want to know, are you it? And John says, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more, coming, more powerful than I, I am is coming to, uh, sorry, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with spirit and with fire. Uh, John is saying there's, there's, there's another one who's coming. Now, we, we know this story. This is so familiar to us. Uh, we know this is going to happen, and, and maybe even Israel knows that th- this is going to happen, but well, I think there's two things for us that are important in this particular little, little uh, place. God is going to do something new and different through this Jesus who we're going to meet in just a minute. And he's going to come not just to, to cleanse you or forgive your sins, but he has something very, very different in mind, and it has to do with changing you in a significant way, in a way that you are unable to do yourself, so that you might do, well, that, so you might fulfill your purpose as, as Israel's purpose was, to bless the entire world. I think that's what John is saying. Luke is saying to his people, I think that's what he's saying to us. He said, he's going to come and he's baptized you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, uh, we've said this before, but anytime the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and it came on one specific person, think all of the judges or Samuel or King David, and God empowered them to go out and to do uh, God's work of salvation in the world, to kick whoever else out. 
here, here John is proclaiming that the Holy Spirit is not just going to rest on one person, but that the Holy Spirit is going to come and be among and in and through all people. That the Holy Spirit is, is going to bless the entire world in this kind of way. So he's foreshadowing maybe a little bit of uh, his follow-up work, Acts, Acts 2. What does it mean to be baptized with fire, though? Like, fire has, has well, it, you know, it gets a bad rap. A good one, too. I mean, it keeps you warm, but it also burns your house down. Um, fire does things like purify and, and clean. And I think that's what, what Jesus is saying here, what John is saying here. The two things, I think, go together, Holy Spirit and fire. In fact, the, the church has a long history of equating Holy Spirit with, with fire. This is what I think John is saying. God is going to give the Holy Spirit to us. And then he's going to, to burn away in us all of the things that keep us from being the people that God wants us to be. He adds, has a little image here. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Um, so that sounds a little dire, but I don't think it is. Uh, wheat, in those days, you would harvest it and you'd, you'd get all the heads of grain in a big pile on a flat place and you would take a fork and you would throw the wheat up into the air and the, the shells that were on it, like the fibrous parts on the outside, uh, would come off and kind of be blown away in the wind. Uh, Maybe it would land a little farther away where you might sweep it up and, and do what you do with garbage, throw it away. But unless that chaff, that, that little bit is removed, that wheat is not able to do what it was supposed to do, what it was grown to do. It is a bit of impurity that keeps it from being ground and milled and being combined with water and yeast to make bread. John is saying that the one who's coming is bringing this Holy Spirit and he's going, the Holy Spirit's going to work in you and he's going to take all of those bits that keep you from being what God has called you to be and he's going to burn them up and cast them away. We go on. Uh, so he, uh, Luke, Luke does some things, some weird things. He tells us about John's uh, arrest uh, before the baptism, and that's just kind of to clue us in. Uh, he's, not, he's not saying that John gets out of jail here. It's clue us in that the, the narrative now, uh, John is pretty much done. We're going to focus all completely on Jesus. So along comes, along comes Jesus. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven uh, came a voice from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. We've already, we've already talked about this, right? A little bit, children helped out with that. Uh, why Jesus got baptized. Um, again, he's, he's doing this, not because he's sinful, but because he's committing to the way in which God, well, they have decided to bring about salvation for the entire world. 
and the dove and the, the voice are more for our sake than it is for Jesus' sake. It is for us to see and believe that, yes, the Spirit of God is upon this person and he's going to bring about salvation for all of us. Pretty picture. There we go. So that's John and uh, Jesus getting baptized, maybe. Uh, I used to do this a, a lot with, uh, with my students and put up pictures that these are actually uh, Eastern Orthodox icons. Um, there's nothing inherently special about them, except that I think it's, they were painted with intention to show us kind of what's going on. Uh, so we'll just, we'll just leave that there. I, I think, I think that, that I, I really wish we would have had baptism today. I think where all of this kind of comes together the whole John the Baptist part, repentance, and the whole Holy Spirit and fire part, and Jesus getting baptized, and I think this all comes together in our own baptism. Uh, that, that what begins when we go down into that water and come back up, uh, that what begins is our baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, that as we're cleansed, we, we come back out and, and we are told to go and walk in the newness of life. And, and we are told to invite the Spirit into us every day to begin to cleanse us and to purify us. To, to make us like little grains of wheat, toss us up in the air so the impurities can be blown away. Israel. I, this, was, this was God's hope for Israel as well. But they didn't, well, they, they, they were resting on something else. And, and they claimed to be God's people without allowing God to do in them what they should do. And, and I think, like, we do that same thing, as I've already said. I think we will know, though, we will know when the Holy Spirit is truly working in us as individuals and as a church when we, when we begin to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. We try to say them without messing them up. Love and joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. I think, I think that John would say to us, Jesus too, if he were today to arrive, don't, don't, don't you dare begin to say that I've been a Christian for so long. I've got this rest on. Don't you dare say that you are filled with the Holy Spirit if you are not exhibiting these kinds of traits. Don't you dare tell anybody about Jesus if you are not full of love. If you are not full of kindness if you are not full of gentleness, if you are not faithful, if you do not have self-control. Now, obviously, we all fall short in all of those things all of the time. I do. You all know that. <laughs> but here, on today, uh, we celebrate, we remember 
in Jesus' baptism, we remember our own. And we remember the beginning and the call for the Spirit to work in us. And, and as much as this is just telling us what has happened, it is also a promise of what God will continue to do. Because what God has done in the past, God will do in the future. And that is being faithful to his creation. To bring about the kind of world that we should be. To bring about salvation for all of us. Part of what happens with Jesus, too, is that he gets up and he immediately begins his mission. We are to take those fruits of the Spirit that God is working in us to produce. We are to take those things and go out into the world to participate with Christ in his movement of salvation for all of creation. It is my hope, it is my hope that all of us, each and every day, as we remember our baptism, as we remember Jesus' baptism, that we would continually ask and allow the Holy Spirit to come in to us to root out all of the bad and evil things, the sin, all the antonyms for the fruits of the Spirit, so that we might be a people who are prepared and empowered to go into our community to truly tell people about Jesus in word and in deed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are good to us. Thank you for your faithfulness and Thank you for getting us through a larger chunk of scripture. Lord, we remember your baptism today. Uh, We remember your call to us to be baptized. Uh, We remember John's words that you are going to come to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, Lord, we surrender today as we and maybe anticipate our own baptism in the future or remember our baptism in the past, we, we confess that, that you are our, our king and our Lord. We give ourselves to you fully and completely. And we ask that your spirit would come in with its holy fire to cleanse us and to remove all of the impurities from us. Lord, then fill us up with the fruit of the Spirit. May our lives bear fruit that is worthy of the repentance we have made. May we live with love and joy. Lord, we we know that you've done these things for us and your hope for us is not just that we would be filled with those things, but that, that you would be able to use us as we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit to go into the world to love the world in the same way you have loved us and it. Help us to help us to remember this. To continually offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. Lord, as we um, receive communion in just a couple of moments, 
we ask that you would allow this little meal to be part of, well, part of your cleansing process in us. May it be part of the, uh, the strength that we will have to go out to be your people. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.